Hallelujah. Forever, forever, forever he is our king. And in times of our frustration, in times of our sadness, in times of our mourning, in times of gladness, and forever, whatever situation you're going through, he is our king. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Hallelujah, I fear nothing because thou art with me. You're a very present help in the time of trouble. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Forever you're my king. Hallelujah. Why don't you praise him? Hallelujah. Praise him for being our king. Praise him for being there in every situation. Praise him for being there in every circumstance. Whatever we're going through, God is right there with us. Whatever we're struggling with, God is yet our King. Hallelujah. 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 God is our King. Hallelujah. That means He yet has authority when we're struggling. He's yet in power when we're suffering. He's yet in control when it doesn't seem like anything's working out in our favor. I praise God for being enthroned not only in my good times, but he's yet on the throne in my bad times. He's on the throne when I feel good. He's on, he's on the throne when I don't feel good. He's on the throne when I'm, when I'm healthy. He's on the throne when I'm sick. Whatever I'm struggling with, God is yet on the throne. I praise God for being in control because that's when I need him most. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. That's when I need God the most. When I'm struggling, when I don't know the way, when I can't seem to see my way through, that's when I recognize most the power that I need from God, the power that I draw from Him. When I can't see the way, when I don't understand how things are coming together, that's when I rely upon Him the most. And that's really the key to our series that we've been sharing. We said, hey, God, what's the plan? It's important for us to recognize that in the middle of whatever we're dealing with, God yet has a plan, even when we don't see it, even when we don't understand it. But maybe through these, these words, through God's word, we can pick up some cues on what God is trying to say to us at this time and in this moment. And Having said that, if you'll go with us to the word in Deuteronomy, we're going to be sharing a few scriptures. We're going to be looking at Deuteronomy 10 and 12. We'll be looking at Micah 6 and 8. And we'll be also looking at Matthew 22, 36 through 39. And I'll say those again. We'll be looking at Deuteronomy 10 and 12. We'll be looking at Micah 6 and 8. And finally, we will look at Matthew 22. 36 through 39. And the word of the Lord reads in Deuteronomy 10 and 12 from the English Standard Version. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now we go to Micah 6 and 8. It says, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness or mercy 
and to walk humbly with your God. And finally, we'll look at Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 39. And the word says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Heavenly Father, in these few moments, these destiny moments, let us be cognizant of your voice speaking into our ears. Lord, let us be aware of your finger touching our shoulder, of your word giving us direction. Lord, allow us to recognize this, this moment and adjust even as your word shows us the way. Let thy word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And allow these words literally be the push that pushes us along the way of destiny so that we might be in tune with what you were, where you would have us to be and where you would want us to go. Lord, most of all, let us not leave this experience the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen. And be blessed. The word of the Lord in Deuteronomy, and, and, and we're, ta- we're sharing from our series, we're continuing in our series, Hey God, What's the Plan? And on last week, we talked about the who. Remember, we talked about Isaac, and we were saying that you are the who because we're making an inquiry. When we're trying to figure out what God desires for us, usually in an inquiry, you ask those common questions, who, what, why, when, where. And we really talked about the who, and we said the who is you because you are divinely destined for this particular moment that you're experiencing in your life right now. And we, uh, we analogize that to Isaac because in the text, he was uniquely qualified. He was the only person on earth who could have fulfilled the assignment that God had for Abraham when he wanted to test his faith to see if he would offer his only son as a sacrifice unto him. So after examining the who, today I want to talk a little bit about the what. And in looking at the what, I'm asking, what does God require of us? What does God require of us? In fact, I want you to say it, make it personal and say this, say this with me. Say, what does God require of me? What does God require of me? I want you to really transcribe that question on your heart and really allow that to be something that you repeat in your own ears each morning as you get up. What is it that God requires of me? Certainly, it's, it's apropos, if you will, in this moment for me personally to consider what is it that God wants from us? Because as many know, I lost my grandmother on this past week. And she was a godly woman. She was a woman that pursued after the heart of God. And it's a woman that I know without a question, without a doubt, that she's in a better place right now because of how she lived her life. So somewhere along the line, she had a conversation with God because she was a praying woman. She had a conversation with God to understand what it is that God desired from her. So I think it's, it's similarly important before we meet life's final common denominator that we investigate what is it that God wants from us? What is it that God desires and expects from us? And in examining the word and looking at a few texts, some uh, specifically address the particular question that I had posed for myself and also I render it unto you. 
What is it that God requires? And we, I found three separate texts that kind of hit on the subject and really embody the subject in a better way than many other of the scriptures because of their how cumulative they are, how comprehensive they are in covering so many aspects of what it is that God desires. I looked at the Deuteronomy writer, and I wanted an older text to start with. I wanted, a, I wanted one of the Pentateuch uh, Bibles, the books of Moses, to look at. And then later we find one of the later prophets. We may see one of the minor prophets in Micah who, who covers the same thing. And, and, of course, we can't hear from the prophets without hearing from our Savior. So then Jesus himself addresses the question in another way and gives us a really comprehensive view as to what God and, and Christ desire of us. So in looking first at Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, you have to understand the context. These are a people who are for the first time trying to be free, who are trying to come into their own, who are escaping from Egypt. And, and, and Moses is giving unto them an understanding of what the law means and what it means to have a good relationship with God, what it means to walk according to God's word and according to his precepts. And this is beyond just the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments are a set of rules that God has structured. But many things that we encounter in life do not neatly fall inside one of the commandments. Do I have help here this morning? Everything that we do and the things that we encounter do not always neatly fall in one, inside the commandments. So it, it was fair to ask the question, what is it? What overarching goal does God have for us as it relates to what he wants us to do? What is it that he desires from us? So the, the Deuteronomy writer tells us that, in, in, speaking to Israel, he said, he, 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 what does he require of you? He wants you to walk in his ways and not in your own ways. Walk according to his judgment and not your own. Don't walk inside what you think is right because there is a way that is right unto man, but the ends whereof are the ways of death. We have to walk inside what God desires from us. We have to walk inside his plan. And understand, as Paul says, that's a daily walk. That's a daily fight. That is a daily struggle. I cannot do everything that, I, that God desires me to do in one day. But whatever I've done for that day, I need to get up the next day and I'm going to have to fight. I'm going to have to struggle again. The fight I fought on yesterday is not the fight that I have today. And I have to be prepared to struggle against the devil because he's always ready. I'm not saying he's all powerful. I'm not saying he's superior because God has told us that we have the power. If you resist the devil, he will flee from you. But what you have to understand is that all the devil is waiting for you is to put your guard down. And whenever you put your guard down, there he is waiting. The question is, every day the devil has a plan. Do you have one? It's not that you don't have power. It's not that you don't have authority. But even, even when, you're, when you're not expecting it the most, that's when the devil attacks. It's not that the United States prior to World War II was less powerful than Japan, but they caught us in Pearl Harbor unaware. They caught us because we weren't ready. And that's what the devil does to us. He catches you when you're not ready. He catches you when your guard is down. So we daily have to be ready and prepared to walk inside God's way. But then he says also, he says to love him. And love is more than the resuscitation of a few scriptures. Love is more than the singing of a few hymns. Love is more than just coming to church on Sunday. Love is more than wearing a Christian t-shirt and saying, I love Jesus and I love God. Love requires a lot more than that. 
Because many of the platitudes that we call love with respect to God, if we offer them to a person, if we offer them to a spouse, if we offer them to a loved one, they would look at us like we were crazy. And if you examine them closely, you begin to see that what we're showing to God is often a lot less than what we expect from each other. I want you to think of this for a moment, particularly for those who are, are, are not married, for those who, who are not in a relationship. What if your putative spouse, your putative mate, the person that you desire to spend your life with, treated you the same way that you treat God? What if what they, how they treated you, they call that love just the way that you treat God that you call love? What, if, what, what, what would that look like? What would it look like if they saw you once a week for a couple of hours and that's the only time that they spoke to you? What if they wore a T-shirt that says they love you on days that you never even see them and they don't even call you? They don't even speak to you, but they got a shirt saying that I, I love you. They don't ever offer you anything, and anything that they do offer, they offer grudgingly or, as the Bible says, of necessity. They're not doing it from the, the bountifulness of their heart. What, what, if, what if that's how they show love to you? Because many times that's how we show love to God. God, I gave you a couple of hours this week in service. I'm good. I prayed before I ate my meals, Lord. I, I'm good. I, I read the same scripture that Pastor read on Sunday. I got my scripture in for the week. I'm good. If we treated a, a, a spouse, if we treated someone we say we love the same way that we treat God, what would that look like? Because love is much more than that. Love comes from the abundance of the heart, which means when you love somebody, you don't have to ask them. They want to have to ask people to love you. When they love you, they show forth their love because it comes out of the bunch. They, they enjoy, they love giving. Don't you enjoy giving to those you love? Why, why? We should enjoy giving to God. And I'm not just talking about of our money. I'm talking about of ourselves. Because sometimes it's easier to divorce yourself from your monies than it is to divorce yourself from yourself. It's easy to give a little bit of your money than it is to give yourself. And some of us, we, we, we'd rather do that because it's easier. It's transactional. And sometimes that's how we treat God, transactionally. God, I, 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 gave, I, I showed up for church and I gave my tithes, so what are you going to do for me this week? We treat God like a transaction. And that's not love. When you, when you love, I mean, I'm talking about love that, 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 that burns on the inside. That when, when you're not, when you don't feel like you're in the presence of God, you yearn and burn to be in his presence. When, when you have not heard and you're not full on his word, that you, you yearn to get the more of his word, to find the word. You're, you're searching online. You're, you're, you're looking on television. You're, you're getting in your scripture. You're, you're getting down on your knees. You're yearning for a word from God. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about love. Because when you love God, it keeps in order some of the things that you consider to be hard. Some of the things that are more difficult to do, it's easier to do if you love God. It's not, it's not as hard to love your neighbor when you really love God. It's not an, as, as difficult to offer your service when you really love God. Because when I serve, I'm happy. 
I'm energetic, and I'm doing with everything that is in me. Why? Because I'm not doing it for you. I'm not doing it for the praise of some man. I'm doing it to the glory and to the honor of God because that's how much I love him. I love him, and, and, and love is not constrained by how many times I, I come to church. I, I love him all through the week. I don't love him more on Sundays. I love him as much on Monday as I do on Sunday. And, and, and every now and then, I have to show him on Monday that I love him. On Tuesday, Lord, I need you to know that I love you. Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, Lord, I'm not just a Sunday morning only type of love, but I love you all the time. I love the Lord. Not just something that I say, but it is reflected in my actions. And I come to tell you when your love for God is reflected in your actions, other people will see it. They'll they'll see it. Other other people will see. They they might not see you coming to church, but if they see love in your heart, they'll they'll see. And I want you to understand this, that when you really reflect Jesus on the inside and reflect the love of God on the inside, people are attracted, but it's not to you. It's to the God that's... In you. And and, and if I can just be one conduit that that for one person, if I can show forth and reflect the goodness of God through my life so that I can touch somebody, they don't have to tell me. It's not about me anyway. But if I can just be a conduit, Lord, if I can be your vessel so that somebody else can encounter the love of God, because I come to tell you, baby, this world, it needs God's love. It needs God's love. And while many times we've offered them judgment, what the world really needs is God's love. Because somebody is hurting, somebody is depressed, somebody's anxious, and, and, and they're hurting on the inside. They're, they're crushed by, by, by things that are going on in their life, and they need a, a word of encouragement, a word of strength. And when we reflect God through our lives, we are literally extending the hand and finger of God, his finger of love in their direction. We're showing forth the love of God because God's capacity of love, baby, I'm going to love you as much as I can, but God's capacity of love is much greater than mine. So sometimes I can, I can exceed the amount of love that I could give on my own when I simply reflect the vision of God through my life. It's not me, it's not I, but it's God in me because we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the glory of God may be of us, but it's not in us, but it's not of us. It's not because of what we've done, but it's because of God shining through us. So then because of God shining through you, I can give you more than I have. I want you, I want you to get that, grasp that with me. I don't have it on my own, but because God is working through me, It's like the hose pipe. The hose pipe doesn't hold that much water, but it's the conduit that pours water, an endless flow of water in any direction because it can give more than it possesses. I want you to get that. If you just pour out the water that your hose pipe might hold, it's not going to be able to give you much, but you can water your whole lawn, your trees, your, your your little garden in the back. When you turn on the power, the water that flows through the hose, it can give you more than the hose itself can possess. And that's what we can do with God. We can be God's conduit. I can't give it to you by myself because I don't have it. But I can give you more than I have because God's working through me. That's what Peter and John were saying to the man. The man said, the man held out his hands and he was trying to receive alms of them. And and, and they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. It's not what I have, but I'm giving you the God that's working through me. 
And, that, and I can't heal you by myself, but God can. I can't turn your life around, but, but I just want to point you in the direction of a man who I know can turn your whole life around right now. I can't change that much. I can't do that much. But when I reflect God's goodness through me and show forth his love to somebody else, and if, baby, just imagine all of us being conduits of God's love to the world. I'm not powerful enough by myself, but everybody in here working together, we can show so much love to the world that we can turn this world around. There's a lot of power that resides on the inside of us that we have not tapped. There is potential in us that we have not used because we are not adequately reflection, reflecting God's image through our lives. But the God said, but he said, if you, he said, you be a light unto the world. That men might see your works, but yet glorify your God and your Father, which are in heaven. God is saying through his word, he said, I need you to not only walk in his ways, but to really love him. Then it says to serve the God. Look And get this, these are connected because I think this ought to be an and instead of a separate, separate phrase. When you love him, you don't mind serving when you love him. You don't mind serving when you love him. When you really love him, you, you, you don't mind doing what they need. You don't mind b- b- performing a task when you really love them. Right. Serving comes with, with loving because I, I, I don't think there should be two separate ideas. I think it should be a connection because I tell you, they, they tell you faith without works is dead. I tell you that love without, without giving is insignificant. Because if you're not giving your service, if you're not giving your time, if you're not giving of your treasure, you're not showing me that you really love. But there is connection between loving and between serving. So when you love, you don't mind serving. When you love, you don't mind serving. When it's your, when it's your spouse is sick, you, know, you, don't, you don't mind serving your loved one. You don't mind serving, serving your, 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 your sugar bump. You don't mind serving them. You don't mind making sure that they're fed, that you don't mind bringing them food and and making sure things are catered to them. Why? Because you love them. And you don't mind, it doesn't even matter to you what it, get this, it doesn't matter to you what it looks like or what other people think. When you really love somebody, when you really love, you don't mind serving. So, so because of this connection, because these things are so inextricably tied to each other, when, when you love, service comes with loving because it's just a natural extension of what love means. And because when you, there's a difference between those who serve because somebody asks and somebody who serves because they love. Ah, you, can, you can get somebody to serve when you ask. But, but I'm talking about when you, when you love, when you love them. That's something I, I, I can't help but think with, with, with grandma. She, she, it was not because she just wanted to cook because you were hungry, but it's something about the way she put the ingredients together that let you know that she loved you. She was letting you know that I'm putting my love in this. It's, it's, it's because I love you. I'm not just doing it because somebody else asked. I'm doing it because I love you. And when you love somebody, that's how you do it. You'll go above and beyond without, and you'll exceed all expectations when you really love them because you don't mind serving. In fact, it doesn't feel like work when you really love them. They even say that in the world, you find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life because you love it so much. 
The same is with serving God. I love God so much that even when I serve him, it doesn't feel like work. Because I want to exceed expectations. I want to perform with excellence. I want to do the very best that I can because I'm my, what I'm doing is not an expression of you. It's not even trying to make myself look good. But it's an expression of myself of what I am giving to God. It's like me putting that perfect grip gift wrapping in my Uncle Fred, I don't know how he does it. He knows how to wrap some gifts. His Christmas gifts are, are wrapped to perfection. Mine, I just do the best I can. <laughs> but, 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 but it's something about you. You're going to another level. It's like putting the bow on top of it and wrapping it in such a way that you're delivering it and doing your very best because you're demonstrating to the person to whom you're giving it that it is love. Yeah. I'm not giving this gift to you. I'm giving it to God. So because I'm giving it to God, I have a higher level of expectation as to what it looks like. My wife would tell you when I'm working on church stuff, sometimes I have to be pulled away from the computer because I'm not offering it to to you. I'm offering and rendering my service to God because I'm trying to do the very best for him because I don't care how you judge me. I am judging myself according to what God expects and desires from me and my service is an expression of my love for him. Make sure that your service to God is not for the sake of proving something to someone else. It's not for the sake of showing off to others. But your service should simply be an extension and an expression of your love for God. Love him and serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, and with all your soul. Micah 6 and 8 brings us to another level of this. And I, like, I wanted to bring one of the later minor prophets into this discussion. It says, he has told you, what does the Lord require of you? It says, but to do justice, to do justly, to love kindness. Well, the King James Version says mercy you know, and to walk humbly with your God. And when it says to do justice, that means it's important how you treat other people. It's important how you behave when nobody else is watching. I think it's in character of a man is to, they say, is what you do when nobody's watching. What I say is character is what you would do if nobody, if you'd never get caught. If you'd never get caught, what would you do? Because that's a true character. But even in those moments when nobody seems to be, and I'll say seems, because sometimes you think nobody's watching and they watch somebody might be watching you don't you don't you don't think they're watching but they're watching i give the example i think it was joe osteen he said he was uh, he was coming out of the the grocery store and he saw all of a sudden a bunch of papers dropped around his car and they start swirling and he thought for a moment he just let it go and get in his car and drive off but then he said he thought better of it and he picked up the papers and then he threw them in the trash can and then as he did so an older lady said I know who you are and I saw you and I was waiting to see what you were going to do. <laughs> you never you never know when somebody is watching. But 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 even when you don't think they're watching it's important how you observe yourself, how you behave justly and how you treat other people. Because that what you do when nobody's watching is a true reflection of how you think. Because when others are watching, it might not be what you think. It may just be a matter of you trying to impress someone else. You don't want to offend someone else. That's not truly how you think. But you're just doing that because somebody is watching. 
But when nobody's watching and you're at home by yourself, when, when nobody's seeing how you behave, that's who you really are. That's how you really act. So if we are to think, to do justly, we must first think justly. To think justly, we must be in tune with God's word. We must be aligned with what his word says because how can I be obedient to a word that I do not know? How can I be obedient to a command that I have never heard? How can I have faith without hearing? And I hear through the word of God. I must do justly. But then it says to love kindness or to love mercy. That, 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 that is so important there. That is so indicative and, and, and it's so reflective of how we ought to treat other people. That means that, that I love to do the things that are right with respect to other people. How I treat them is important to me. How, how do I respond to them? How do I respect them? How do I make sure that, that whatever I'm doing, I'm considerate of other people? And that's what really Jesus picks up later. He says, and the second commandment is like it. He says, to love thy neighbor as I love thyself. I love showing mercy. You know what love showing mercy is? Because loving mercy is something that's not reflective of how we live. Because we love justice when it comes to other people. We love mercy when it comes to ourselves. Let's just be honest. We love justice when it comes to other people, especially if it's somebody we don't like. Come in here with me now. Because you see them, they're they talking about uh, on social media, they're, 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 they're burning them on Twitter. They're, they're burning them on social media. They, they like to jump on people with justice for other people. But when it comes to yourself, you want mercy. You can't wait for certain people to go down. You know, I, we become keyboard and thumb warriors. Yeah, let me put my comment in here too to show how bad what they did was. But then if it's you, you don't want anybody doing that to you. Because we love justice when it's others, but we, don't, we want mercy when it's ourselves. Let's make sure that we're doling out to others the same amount of mercy and kindness that we would give to ourselves. Because, baby, you give yourself lots of excuses. You do wrong, well, and you, this, is, this is what y'all love to say, but well, God knows my heart. God doesn't know their heart when they did wrong. Does he only know your heart when you do wrong? But, but when they do wrong, they should be punished. They should be burned. You know, they should be publicly ashamed. If God knows your heart when you do wrong, then he knows their heart when they do wrong. And maybe you should extend the same amount of mercy and kindness to them that you would extend to yourself. Make sure you love justice, but that you also loving, showing kindness and mercy. And it says finally here in Micah, it says to walk humbly. Because humbly with your God. Walk humbly with your God. God is with me. That means I'm following his direction. But I'm showing humility in everything that I do because nothing that I have obtained is because of who I am. Nothing that I have is because I'm individually special. The only reason I have what I have and I've obtained that which I've obtained is through the grace and mercy of God. By faith, by grace are you saved through faith. That not of works. It is a gift of God. And when it's a gift, that means I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. Doesn't matter who my mama and my daddy was. Doesn't matter how much I have or I don't have. Doesn't matter how much education I do have or don't have. 
doesn't matter how I'm employed. doesn't matter how long I've been saved. It does not matter what I did in my past. By grace, it is a gift. Somebody who's watching, I just want you to hashtag, it is a gift. It is a gift because it's a gift. That means I didn't earn it. And because it's a gift, I want you to get this, other people can't take it from you. It's a gift that that God gave to me. It belongs to me. It is my gift that God especially wrapped with love. And he gave it to me. It is God's irrevocable gift. He gives it to me. And he's, he's not ashamed that he gave me this gift of salvation. All I have to do is accept it. I have to accept it. It's sitting under the tree. I just have to go get it. It's available. It has my name on it. All I have to do is accept that gift. And there are many out there who haven't accepted God's gift of salvation. But all they have to do is go get the gift by faith through grace that God has already paid for. That's why we sing the song, Jesus Paid It All. That's not something you go say to your landlord because you don't have your rent. No. We said Jesus paid it all because... He gave us the gift of salvation, and it's already paid for. It's available to us. All we have to do is go accept it by faith through grace and receive that which God has already given us. It's mine. All I have to do is go claim that which God has given. You can't take it. That means you can't disqualify me from God's gift because it's free. Don't be trying to run a credit check on my salvation. Well, girl, I remember when you used to. um, It don't matter. It's a gift. Well, I, I, I knew back now it, it doesn't matter. It's a gift. Well, I knew what your mommy, I, that, it does not matter what they did. It, it, it's a gift. And the thing is, your gift ain't any bigger than mine. You can talk about me all you want to, no matter where I came from, no matter what I look like, no matter what I did in my past, the gift is the same. You remember why God, when God, Jesus was making that example, he talked about the men who were called into work. And he said some laborers were hired in the morning. And they said, will you come and work for a day's wages? So they picked him up at 6 a.m. in the morning. And then he went out and found some more at 9 a.m. and came and brought them for a day's wages. And then he brought some people at 12, 12 noon and told them, come in and will you work for a day's eight wages? And then he called some people before the dusk, right before the work day was over. And said, will you come and work for a day's wages? And then some of those who came in the morning said, hold on now. Hold on now. I've been here. I've been here. I've been here since dawn. I got up early with the chickens this morning. And you telling me you're going to pay him the same thing that you're paying me? The, 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 the hirer said, when I asked you to do it, you had no problem with it. Why do you have a problem now that I've invited others? The size of the gift is the same no matter when you receive it, no matter how long you've been saved, no matter what you've done, it's the same gift. So if a lady of the streets walks in right now now and accepts God's gift, your gift is no bigger than hers and you're no better than her because it's the same gift. The gift is the same size as the homeless man comes in and he, he, he's abandoned his family and his children, but he comes in and accepts Christ as his Savior. Even somebody who's listening to this broadcast virtually, they're listening right now and no matter what you've done or where you're hurting or who you have hurt or what your past looks like, the gift is the same size and Christ is saying, I paid it all and I'm making it available to you right now and can't anybody, 
nobody can look down on you because you have the very same gift. I'm about finished, but I have to conclude with the words of our Savior. He was being tested, really, in this moment. I want you to understand they didn't ask him this question because they really wanted the answer. They asked the question to see if they could find him slipping relative to the laws of Moses. So they asked him, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Remember, they're making reference to the law to test him. These are the legal minds, legal biblical minds of the day. Jesus says to him, he's like, I, I know what you're talking about because my daddy is the one who made the law. <laughs> I don't know. Why, why are you testing me right here? You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul. With all your mind. And then he says, but, and this is where he got him. And I love Jesus. That's how he does. Because he, he, he'll, he'll answer their question and respond and let them know that he's, they're not going to catch him slipping. But then he's going to provide something to them that they don't like. And just to be honest, something that we're all challenged with and something that they weren't doing too well. He said, but he said, but, he said, he said there's another, a second just like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Yeah, you, you, you wanted me to talk about loving God. You wanted to make sure that I was in line with the laws of Moses and the commandments. And you wanted to make sure that I was going to, uh, to validate or to rubber stamp the same punishments that you, want to desire, that you desire to give the people. But I want to tell you there's an area where you're lacking. And the area where you're lacking is that you don't love your neighbor as you love yourself. And in a moment of honesty, that we're, that's something that we're all challenged with. That's something that we can all work on every day. Because it may be easy to love our almighty, all-powerful God who gives us everything that we desire and want. But he also said, how can you love God who you have not seen? And love not your neighbor who you see daily. And then you say, well, I love them, but, and there's always a but... <laughs> I love everybody, and there's always an except. I love all these folks except these folks. No, there can't be an except, and there can't be a but. But you have to love your neighbor as you love yourself, which means I'm preparing in how I treat others to treat them the same way that I would treat myself. And let's be honest, we treat ourselves well. We treat ourselves well. But this is what I add to this, and it's so important, particularly during a time and a season like this, and I, and I need somebody out there to get this. You, you can't love God unless you love your neighbor. But implicit in Jesus' words is you really can't love your neighbor until you've learned how to love yourself. God wants you to love yourself. God desires. It's integral to his will. That you love it. I cannot fulfill the greatest commandment out there because unless I am able to love myself, because loving myself is simply appreciating what God created, appreciating what God made. And if he made me, and the, the songwriter said, I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. If, it, if God's creation of me is intentional, then I also have to have confidence in his purpose and his will for my life. He made me on purpose. He created me with purpose. And therefore, he has a will and a desire for my life. And I don't believe he brought me this far. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. Why would have God, God 
intricately woven me into his will just to leave me alongside the road when I suffer my first setback. But it's God's will that I succeed. It's God's purpose that I am the head and not the tail. That's it, his will. That's his, that's his purpose, that I be successful in everything that he's called me to do because heaven and earth will pass away before anything that God has declared to me shall fail. So I have to read his word to understand the declarations. I have to read his word to, to grab hold of my destiny. I have to read his word. Sometimes his word is literally the energy that gets me through my trial. Just understanding that I, I, I'm struggling right now, but, but my God is faithful. When I suffer me to be tempted above, that I am able. But he's going to bring me through this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, Lord, because you're with me. My God shall wipe away all your tears. God said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. He said, if your joy is not full, he said, ask in my name that thy joy might be full. And he said, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Sometimes I just need the declarations of his word to encourage me and remind me that I am what God says I am. I will do and be everything that he said that I will do and I will be. I have everything that he says I will have. And that there before me, there is nothing that can stand before me, not even the devil. And the Bible says, and I love this, and it's my favorite scripture, everyone standing to your feet. If God be for us, if God be for us, who can be against us? Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise for his word. I pray with you, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time we thank you for your word we thank you for your people lord as we struggle with the questions hey god what's the plan let us be reminded of that we are the who and lord also the what is in your word to do justice to love mercy to walk humbly before thee to love ourselves so that we can love our neighbors and so that we can show you that we love you with all our heart with all our might and with all our soul Lord, we know that you'll be with us. Even on this path of discovering your will, your purpose for our lives. But we are reminded that you're, we're your intentional creations. We were designed with a purpose. We are created for this moment. And there is nothing that is impossible to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who have been watching us virtually or through social media. We praise God for you being with us. We pray that you live with expectation and faith, knowing that God has a plan for your life. Be blessed. Come on, Bright Temple, put those hands together again and give God some praise. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fun. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity. 
And we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.